so excited about what is happening in the landscape of philanthropy, in the greatest wealth transfer, uh, women inheriting more than 70% uh, of the 30 trillion changing hands, as well as making their own money, uh, going to college at record levels. It's incredible what's happening in the landscape. And we want to equip women to be confident and courageous givers, and as well, help the organizations that serve them understand what's happening, because it is a shift. The majority of the financial decision makers for families will be women in the next couple decades. This transition is such a stewardship opportunity for the women that you know around you. So Julie Wilson, president of Women Doing Well, lays out the purpose, the goals, the path that women can take to steward this wealth with generosity. Men don't know it's coming, but neither do the women. In our Christian faith-based communities, this isn't talked about very much. So. I speak with at least two uh, to three women a month who have inherited a large sum and didn't know it was going to be their responsibility and are not equipped yet. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to ECFA's Behind the Seal podcast. Hey, today we have a very special treat, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ECFA, uh, Julie Wilson, the president of Women Doing Well. Julie, welcome to the ECFA podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's great to be here. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, you bet. No, I've been looking forward to this uh, for a long time. Um, really just come to respect you so much as a leader. And as you know, uh, on this season of the Behind the Seal podcast, we're going behind the scenes of what it looks like to help support healthy leadership, integrity in leadership. And as you and I have interacted in some different cohorts and groups we've been a part of, Julie, I've just really come to respect your leadership, your perspective on so many issues. So I'm excited for us to be able to have that conversation around leadership, integrity, and what you're seeing. But before that, um, I just love what you're up to in terms of women doing well and the mission of that ministry. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, uh, what you're up to with women doing well? Absolutely. We are up to activating women to purposeful generosity. We are so excited about what is happening in the landscape of philanthropy, in the greatest wealth transfer, uh, women inheriting more than 70% uh, of the 30 trillion changing hands, as well as making their own money, uh, going to college at record levels. It's incredible what's happening in the landscape. And we want to equip women to be confident and courageous givers and as well help the organizations that serve them understand what's happening because it is a shift. So that's, that's what we're up uh, doing and we're really enjoying it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, just as I've gotten to know you and then even honestly spending some time, I want to share like some of these statistics for those that are either watching or listening to the podcast today. Just some incredible statistics, Julie, about um, the influence, the growing influence of women, the the economic power of women, something like uh, from your research or sources that you, you you all have put together that today $10 trillion in financial assets are currently managed by women. But get this, $30 trillion in financial assets will be managed by women by 2030. These are some incredible statistics. Truly incredible. And you know what's interesting is the men don't know it's coming, but neither do the women. 
in our Christian faith-based communities, this isn't talked about very much. So I speak with at least two uh, to three women a month who have inherited a large sum and didn't know it was going to be their responsibility and are not equipped yet. And this is, I think, just a snapshot. I think there's thousands of women that need equipping to handle what God is giving to them. Oh, that's right. Well, and as you know, I mean, here at ECFA, so much of our mission uh, around trust, I mean, it really relates to generosity. You know, we're, we're trying to help uh, unleash, you know, biblical generosity, and, and we help facilitate that connection through the trust that comes with a partnership with ECFA and meeting high standards of integrity. So uh, just from all of us at ECFA, we're so grateful for the work that you're doing uniquely for women um, to be able to help them be generous uh, as as the Word of God teaches us. It's awesome. Well, thank you. So, Julie, what are some of the uh, just reactions, right, as people hear um, some of these different statistics around um, how God has really, I'm going to use the word given a stewardship, like a unique stewardship opportunity uh, for women. What What are some of the reactions as people hear some of these statistics that we're talking about? Disbelief. People and disbelief as in, oh, my gosh, this is happening. I didn't know. I had no idea women already controlled 51 percent of the wealth. I had no idea that the inheritance was going to be primarily given to women as the wealth exchange happened. And a bit of fear, I think, of the unknown. Like, what does that mean? And oftentimes when we're afraid, we just shut down. So I think it's it's disbelief followed by denial. (laughs) because it's just a lot to take in. And I, I think it's taken 10 years. I do see organizations, especially now, beginning to see the shifts and beginning to see larger dollars come from women. And they're beginning to want to understand how to serve them and to serve what God's doing. Um, and the women are absolutely asking for help. I talked with one woman yesterday. Uh, her father died in 2020. Uh, at 90 as a you know generational wealth family. And she just said it's been very painful what's happened to the family and how little confidence she has. And one of her donor, one of the organizations that we partner with, suggested she go through the pathway. And she did. And she now has confidence. She's done some really fun generosity um, endeavors and included her husband. It was such a fun story to hear that just some simple equipping and some community and some intention on the part of whoever was serving her, it changed her life. It really is that simple, but it, the, we've got to get through the denial that it's happening. We've got to get to, hey, this is happening and it's okay. And let's just figure out how to serve the body of Christ the best we can. Wow. That's an incredible story. And I do want to come back to, you mentioned the pathway and let's unpack that um, here in just a moment. But before we do, maybe just even take us back just a little bit, if you don't mind. And in your life or in the ministry of women doing well, you know, when was it that uh, maybe it first occurred to you this idea that um, when it comes to generosity, even in the way that God has wired us, that women may approach it uniquely and differently from from men? When Take us back to that moment. So having grown up with an entrepreneurial father, Uh, I really saw a lot around money, Uh, the desire to have it, the drive and the um, discipline to start a business. Sometimes we had no money. Sometimes we had lots of money, but money was never taught in a way that made sense to my brain. 
So as a 25-year-old missionary in New York City, I decided I'd better educate myself. I, I took a seminar on uh, compounding principles, and I thought, oh, no, I'm behind by like six years. I should have started at 18. And I basically got a small group of women together that I had been doing a Bible study with. I said, let's read this book. It's not a Christian book. It's called Smart Women Finish Rich, and let's educate ourselves. And from that, I started a couple of retirement accounts, and it, but I felt I felt dumb. And nobody wants to feel dumb, especially when you're college educated and savvy. You just want to feel like you're in the know. When I got involved at Generous Giving, I was on the communication side. And there were lots of terms being thrown around. And I will admit, I didn't raise my hand and say, I have no idea what a donor advised fund is. What are you talking about? I would just sort of go, I'm going to pick it up eventually. Well, I had a job in the generosity space. A donor spends a lot less time than I did. And it took me 10 years to figure out what was going on. And a lot of the figuring it out came from my involvement with women doing well as they would break down what these things were. I also have watched many business women wake up to the tools that exist out there to help in the generosity. And they, too, weren't speaking up. So I just think there's a an education and an acknowledgement that women just haven't been trained financially. But I started seeing it in my own life in those young years. And then when I came to Generous Giving, I helped uh, the other woman they hired was trying to bring generosity to women uniquely. So we had our very first generosity, uh, journey of generosity retreat. And we got these uh, maybe 14 women together. And after session two, it was very clear. They were convinced and excited and they were all from a, an area and they were like, let's whiteboard how we could like solve the three biggest problems in our area. And so we got out whiteboards and we, and we kind of got our hands slapped. I mean, not really, but we went back. We're like, y'all, they got it after session two. So we started brainstorming. How can we make a change and help them uh, make a difference in their area? And there was just shock. Like, we, you can't do that. You have to do all four sessions. Well, actually, the women got there pretty quick. And that was consistent. The women were hungry for generosity just from statistics that we know, both secular and Christian, we are more generous by nature. The way God's wired us, we think of the whole, uh, and that's a generous positioning, if you will, because you're always thinking, how can I help the whole, which requires generosity? So I think I saw that at a experiential level, but it wasn't until Women Doing Well did the research, and we had in black and white that women do experience generosity, financial giving, giving of time, and expertise is very important. There were so many differences that got highlighted that really made my generosity and many other women's come alive. Wow. And what is that timeline, Julie? So uh, for women doing well and, you know, really some of this really leaning into this space and this research, uh, what is the timeline on that? So in 2010, the four founders who are amazing women, all in their own right, different organizations, they came together and started praying because they had started consulting firms and they saw this influence and affluence and kind of a lack of movement on the body of Christ, the different organizations to do anything about it. So they started praying and then they decided we really should do something. So they looked for the research and there wasn't any. And they very wisely said, well, without research, how are we going to prove our case? So let's do the research. And they got many organizations together to fund and help get enough women to fill out the survey to make it a, a statistically sound research study. And surprisingly, they were hoping for 300 women and 7,336 women filled out that survey. 
So it is, wow. even 10 years later, it's the largest body of research ever done on women and giving in the world. It just happens to be Christian women and giving. So basically that gave us the, in black and white, but I will admit I was at Generous Giving. We participated in the study. I was the communication director. I got the report. I read it. I thought there is nothing I don't know here. This doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Put it on the top of my you know corner of my desk and I moved on. I got a phone call from one of our Generous Giving businesswomen volunteers, Janice Worth, a couple weeks later. It was actually two months later. And she said, Julie, have you heard of women doing well? I said, yes, we did the research study with them. Why? I just met Pam Pugh. This is going to change the world. I'm like, Jan, how is this going to change the world? Like, you don't understand. Like, there's nothing here we haven't tried. She goes, no, no, we have in black and white from 7,000 women. This is what they need. We're going to, I want to do an event. They don't do events. So I told them I'd get you to do the event. So we took the research and collaborated with women doing well and kind of created a sub team that was about 12 women saying, okay, let's get the research and create a transformational experience designed for them. And before we had done the first one for Janice, for her friends in South Florida, two more had been booked in Houston and Orlando with NCF because the one of the women was on the NCF team originally, and she was talking to the NCF offices like, we want that. Can they come here? And so we knew we had a tool that maybe had some legs to it. And that's, that was in 20, 2013 was our first event in January of 2013. And then we we ran hard. Um, we did 21 events in seven years, but they were, you know, country club events or in a large equipped church, expensive, flew the speakers in, very laborsome for the local women and for our volunteer team. And that's when we knew we had to create something more scalable. Very cool. Well, it's amazing what you learned then, what you're continuing to learn. And, and I wanted to drill down there a little bit, Julie, too, and getting into what are some of the things that you've come to find in terms of the the differences? And you already mentioned one of them, which is women tend to be on the whole, like more generous than men. What are some other uh, just kind of key findings and how women might approach generosity differently? So women, and, and this is actually a newer study that National Christian Foundation did of their segment. So it's a very curated group of people who are already generous and excited to steward the wealth God's given them. And Women look for transformation around generosity, meaning they want it to be a discipleship experience. They want to connect with God more around it. 71% women to 64% men. So they're looking for experience, not just data. They want it to be a heart thing, not just a head thing. They want community. So 25% of women versus 12 want to have um, a giving circle or something like that in order to be together with other women. Um, collaboration also came up. Women like to collaborate across the board. So they want their organizations to work together to solve problems. They don't like to just have one organization. They like to have many. And that that stat was uh, 13% uh, of women versus 8% of men. So there's just some of these like statistically interesting differences that have big impact for organizations serving the donor, for sure, because you will completely miss accessing her greater generosity by not addressing community, collaboration, transformation, discipleship, those types of things. The other thing that I think is interesting from that study is that women have a very heavy burden around stewarding wealth. It is not a bless. It's less of a blessing, even more so uh, than men. 
Uh, and so when you solve this for her and you help her have confidence and courage, the returns are big. It's unaccessed joy and unaccessed resource for the kingdom, time, expertise, and financial generosity. Wow. Those are some awesome insights. I'm just I'm sitting here taking notes as you're talking. So transformation, community, collaboration, discipleship, all key points here. So Julie, yeah, maybe talk to us now coming back to that point around the pathway or yeah, an experience um, to help women kind of tap into some of these areas or really process and walk through for those who may not even be familiar in general with kind of that idea of like the generosity pathway and all that, just maybe give some background on that and how women doing well um, are addressing some of these areas uniquely. So I mentioned that we had an event in a country club and that's sort of what we did for many years. And it was based on the research of women wanting to know their purpose. And that means their unique why for being. And in the pathway, you get a very practical tool that is life-changing, a two-word purpose statement that you can remember and you can activate on. You also discover your unique passions in the season that you're in so that you can say no to really good things and bigger yeses to the right thing. So it's really about helping a woman have balance and not have so much guilt about what she isn't doing and being able to celebrate with Jesus the ways that she is able to contribute her time or talent and her resources. Um, and then finally, we do give her some tracks that you have to have a plan. And it's very basic things like, did you know that a financial advisor is a really key person in your life that you need to trust? And 80% of widows change financial advisors when their husband dies because they were never addressed during the meetings. They didn't feel related to. So when the husband's gone, they're like, I'm getting somebody I want. Uh, so that was that number again? 80, 80%. Change that's within, the, within the first year. And I have a, a, a real life story. A, a dear woman that's part of Women Doing Well lost her husband tragically in a car act, truck accident. So he lived for a year and they got a very large settlement and he died two months later. In that two months where they had this huge settlement, he decided to take care of her. He needed to switch financial advisors and get her a better firm because this is big money. So he hired a Boston firm. And they flew in and met her. And she kind of was like trying to help him with his last wishes. But he never asked her what she wanted, ever, never asked her. So as soon as he passed away, she fired them and hired somebody in Indianapolis. They're not Indianapolis, Indiana, because she wanted somebody local that she could meet with face to face. That's very important to her and to a lot of women to trust and eye contact. And do they really ask me the right questions? And the Boston group was like, we promised your husband we would take care of you. So they still fly in annually. Oh, wow. Because they felt this sort of like mantle of we need to like help her. I don't know if they still do, but back then they were. And that's just one woman's story. And that I, I think that happens. It's 80% of widows are, are kind of getting rid of their financial advisor and getting a new one. That's a, that's a really interesting that that should scare everybody probably is the same although we haven't measured it for ministries that he was excited about that she never felt excited about and so the invitation to include the woman is important because 95 percent of women will be the financial decision maker in their family at some point because women outlive men five to six years so it might be in the later years but that's a big deal when you're transferring the wealth to the next generation you and your husband want to talk about those things long before that happens. And I just want to call out that a lot of the church is single, divorced, 
widowed or never married. And those women are completely left out of the conversation most times. So really encourage listeners, if you can come up with a strategy to really care for those women where they are, it will come back to you because they're looking to invest as well. And single women that aren't married have more money than most women to invest. And they are wanting to make a difference. Women desperately want to be part of what God's doing. And they just don't always feel confident. So they just don't act because they don't have the confidence. So. Wow. No, that's such a key point. And since you're here, <laughs> I will ask you because I don't want the ministry leaders who are listening to move on too quickly from that. Can you help them with some practical advice? Uh, you know, the ones that you are challenging to make sure that we're not overlooking the importance of that. What practically can ministry leaders do to be sure they're dialed in? Well, I'll I'll finish my pathway question for you because I didn't close the loop on that. And I'll give okay, you something sorry, that no, that isn't pathway related. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> on the pathway, the purpose, the passion, the plan, which I got off on the financial advisor, which is a big piece, um, it is a 12-week transformational experience that takes a woman on the journey to understand that she's invited to the generosity table. God has a purpose for her. God has a plan for the resources. And she is wanted and valued. She She's She's worthy to be known, seen, and heard. And she comes out of that experience with some tools and equipping that just help her engage more, both with her family and with the ministries that she cares about. Uh, and many women roll off things in order to access more resource to give to the things that they're really passionate about. So it's a pretty powerful pathway experience. So what a ministry leader can do is, of course, the obvious, I'm, you know, I'm partial to women doing well because I so believe that based in research, our pathway is so effective and we're always improving and innovating, but it's it's been consistently showing increased giving financially. Uh, people, 80% uh, of women are resigning from things or stopping things because it's not on purpose and passion for them. So it's it's trustworthy. Um, so you, it's free. Um, it doesn't cost anything. We have a group of uh, women and foundations and even organizations that partner with us in order to bring this without cost to women. But if that, you know, just immediate, like if you have a meeting tomorrow with a, a couple, I would just encourage you to have a conversation just at the table, just turn to the woman and ask her a couple questions just for her. Maybe something like, you know, what's what's been the most exciting gift you've given this year, whether it's to our organization or another, I just love to hear what, what gets you excited. And then the second question, which is a really important one for a woman, because it's a big problem for her is what concerns do you have as God has given you more wealth to steward around your family? How can I pray for you and support you as you're stewarding your family in this wealth journey? And you will get so much from her and so much connection as far as um, just how we want to be heard before we're told what we should do. Um, I think I think that comes through a marriage as well. I know that's kind of goofy to talk about, but men and women are different and relational connection is very important for us. To be heard is gold. And we know when it's genuine. So don't just say the words, you know, really ask God to give you the heart to, to see her as an individual giver who will likely be your main point of contact at some point in that relationship. Those are just practical so things. Good. Wow. Yeah, no, that is so good. 
And thank you for making it so easy. Yeah, I think those are questions that ministry leaders, like you said, tomorrow uh, could implement and then also encourage, like you mentioned on the pathway, uh, free tool. And is it womendoingwell.com? Dot org. Uh, dot org. It's dot org. Dot org. Mm -hmm. And you can, you'll, you'll yep. see it all over the homepage uh, and you can sign up for a group right there. Uh, but we really recommend that you get a group of your own together. It's so meaningful to go through with your women's Bible study or your, um, you know, group of friends that are stewarding wealth together. It's, it's really powerful. But you can just join an anonymous group, and that's also very efficient, uh, effective. Awesome. So, yeah, when listeners go and check it out, womendoingwell.org, you'll be able to see the information about the pathway as, as well as so many of these uh, statistics and research that grounds the work that you're doing. So uh, I do commend our listeners to check that out. There's also another point too here, Julia, that I wanted to give an opportunity for us to, to talk about here for a moment, and that is uh, the collaboration, speaking of research, even more research. Um, now this is recent, right, with Barna, the ebook uh, that's titled The Impact of Women, and this was, uh, sounds like a collaborative effort along with groups like uh, National Christian Foundation, another ECFA member. Talk to us about how this coalition came together and, and what were some of the takeaways from that project? So it was, it was fabulous to do. And I, what I love about the coalition is each, each ministry brings a different aspect of the generosity journey light on it. So we were part of the future of giving, which included like online giving, um, and, and of course, with women with the wealth transfer, that's new. So that's why it's considered the future. I think the future's here. Uh, and in the research, uh, it, it was pretty much very complementary to the research that has already been done. There wasn't a lot new. I will say I thought that the statistics that we found, they, it, was, it was mostly from the church and it's behind the time. So the NCF research, the research women doing well did, is a little bit more reality uh, from our experience where women are already stewarding the wealth. Yeah, so I, I would say the the importance of community, the importance of collaboration, all of that came through, but what didn't come through was that women are generous. It, it showed that women um, weren't as generous as men. I think that that might be a bit of the church being behind the times, and I very have a lot of um, excitement about the opportunities that exist because that is now in black and white. And we have, you know, the two demographics to look at and to say, actually, when women are equipped, they are generous. It's that they're not equipped and they're not being spoken to. So we have to change that conversation. And then we will, if we did that study in five years, I promise you, if churches will start to serve the women stewards of their church as, as individuals, as well as a uh, family unit, it's going to be game changing for the kingdom. Boom. Wow. Well, I hope, I hope, uh, and encourage that effort. Yeah. Five years from now, let's see what changes. That would be incredible. I'm excited about it. I, 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 it's what gets me up every day is that it's all about the woman, right? It's about her being free to be a steward the way God wired her and wants her to be and what she wants, what she should be part of because of what he's doing. Uh, but the impact because of how women are communal is kingdom. It's it's going to change it. Like Janice said, it is going to change the world. I, I think that's why God's up to that. <laughs> I think he knows that about the the women. And for those that are wondering about women stewarding wealth and, you know, the there's just some interesting cultural 
conversations around the topic of women and leadership. And regardless of what you think, in scripture, the first three funders of Jesus's ministry were women, Johanna, Susanna, and Mary, out of their own means. And so this is not extra biblical. This is right there in scripture. And Um, I commend a wonderful uh, Lifeway study to anybody that wants to do it because it's life-changing called Jesus and Women. And it really looks at generosity uh, because that's just everywhere in scripture. But the generosity of Jesus to women is unprecedented. The ways that he empowered women to engage in the kingdom, I think, has been lost for many, many decades, maybe generations. And I, and I think God is just saying, now is the time I want. I would like more of the kingdom to be better together, to be collaborative. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, very good. You know, something else, Julian, uh, you and I have had some of these uh, conversations, say, off the podcast and the cohorts we've been in or just conversations over the years. But I know you're also very passionate, like ECFA, about the importance of enhancing trust and uh, the need really for Christian ministries to operate by the highest standards, to, um, you know, have a high bar that helps inspire confidence um, and the importance of trust. Can you speak to that uh, for a little bit here, Julia, just around the importance of trust and, and really too any unique aspects of the trust conversation with churches, with ministries, uh, uniquely from the perspective of some of the things you've seen from working with uh, women donors? Well, trust for everybody is foundational. That's where you can operate and get the most work done is when there's deep, deep trust. For a woman, trust comes relationally through being known and taken seriously. Um, I think that I, I actually don't know what it is for men. Maybe you can speak to that. But my my experience is it's more respect and not questioning. And so, and there's like a real difference there. If you're sitting at a boardroom and you've got, let's just say one woman at the table, if any, because many organizations don't yet even have one woman, but oftentimes they have a one woman. The problem there is she gets written off. If she's seeing something integrity wise, it's like she's the wet blanket. And if there's eight board members and she's the ninth, she gets pretty tired pretty quickly. I've actually had women say, I'm not joining any boards. I'm not using my expertise that way because it's it's really tiring. It's hard to not be listened to over and over and over again. So I think as I think about the future and some of the really catastrophic um, situations we've seen in the last decade uh, with broken trust and very public broken trust, I do wholeheartedly believe that if women in, you know, three or more women had been at the table, there just would have been maybe some different conversations. I'm not saying things wouldn't have happened. We're sinners too. You know, women are not sinless, right? We're very sinful in a control way. So everybody has to balance. But I think having women at the table is essential for that trust and integrity to have its fullness. And that is not happening in most organizations. It just, it's just, a if you go on, Go to your favorite charities and just make sure that there's three or more women on the board. That's what I would say. Mm. No, that is so good. And I resonate with a lot of what you said about, yeah, just the importance of really the fullness of the image of God being represented um, within our ministry organizations. And uh, I don't want to skip over this point too quickly, but I think there's some gold buried here in one of the comments that you just made, which was um, by default, too many organizations maybe either have no women that are serving on boards or just the one 
But then, Julie, you said something there talking about three or more. So help connect the dots uh, between what is maybe the default versus sounds like a recommendation from you on the three or more. Help help listeners connect those dots. Sure. Well, there's actually some books written about this and even some statistics that they've had in the secular world. When there's one woman, she can be written off. Um, she just doesn't have enough of a of a of a say. If there's two women, the group, if they want something and one of the women doesn't want it and the other woman's being quiet, they will work to get the the women to be in disagreement. Um, they will they will uh, they want to win that argument. And so instead of just leaning in and saying, maybe something you're saying needs to be heard, we don't agree with you fully, but help us understand why you're concerned. Tell us more, like ask a question versus you're wrong, we're right. Um, and then if you have three women, I believe that um, the research is showing that you really force the women to collaborate and bring their best game to the conversation. And there's just less opportunity to write them off because if three people are saying about the same thing in a different way, it's, you can't go, oh, they're just a wet blanket. No, they're saying something that needs to be heard. So that's why I encourage three or more um, is just so that there can be actually the benefit of a feminine perspective in a conversation. Um, I don't think you should weight feminine opinion higher or lower. I think we're equal. So just, but without at least three, how do you know you're getting a good response from the females? Because you, like, I have often been the only woman at the table and I can't represent all women. I have one way of thinking. I have one way of experience. Like, it just isn't, it's not smart. And so that's why, I, and I would say the same about a diverse board, you know, beyond just age diversity and male, female, of course, um, race diversity is really important as the world is changing and shifting. And, and we just want to have perspectives like the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Like the kingdom. That's a, that's well said. Um, you also, I think, made a point earlier too, Julie, saying that when approached by a ministry to serve on the board, uh, many women may disqualify themselves uh, from serving on a board. So what would you say to help equip ministries that really have this as part of their heartbeat and their DNA to move the needle in this direction? Um, what would you equip them in their conversations with uh, potential women uh, candidates serving on the board? How can they have that conversation with her? So I will tell you that when I went to set up the board uh, in January of 2020, we launched out as a nonprofit again. And so we set up a new board and almost, but all but one of those board members disqualified herself to me for a women's ministry. So I also, um, in a previous ministry, heard the men say, we've asked these three women. They all said no. And I said, did you ask them why they said no? No, they just said no. I said, no, you got to like dialogue, find out what is her barrier and then give her, this is the the key. When there's a barrier, one woman I tried to get on the board said, listen, if you want my law degree, I'm not a lawyer anymore. I said, I don't want your law degree. I want your wisdom. She goes, oh, well, I can give my wisdom all day long. I said, that's what I need. I don't need your law degree. I need your wisdom. So it's, demystifying the leadership table that it's not like you have to be this accomplished yada yada many women have been raising children and took a break from the workplace and they disqualify themselves other women are too busy and they're like i you're gonna just use me and so assuring a busy woman who has a business or as a corporate woman that she won't be used listen we just we want you to come in and just give your expertise we, we promise to 
we know you're working full time. And, you know, so it's just really understanding her barriers and helping her overcome them. Don't just take her first no. Push in, ask questions. And if she still says no, of course, respect her. But I think that there's just a lot of women that they just can't see how they would fit. And so they just say no. Oh, that is good. And um, yeah, even if it is a no, yeah, there's things you could learn from that conversation, right? And be able to take it into to other conversations that you would have. So I think that's so good. Um, well, we've touched on several different really helpful vantage points here, uh, Julie, from the perspective of uh, women in generosity or from a donor perspective. We've just been having a conversation around uh, the voice of women in the boardroom. But how about also um, we are beginning to see, uh, uh, also, you know, I think glory to God, like a rise in women in executive leadership positions within ministry. Um, what would you say to, to women who are, um, in leadership or, or coming into leadership, anything from this perspective of women doing well? It, it is exciting to see the increase of leadership, and especially in the Christian nonprofit world. It's it's still small. I think the stat, most recent stat was like 8% of um, all nonprofits are led by women. So it's a lot smaller in the Christian realm. But as a point of interest, when we were in the cohort together, I don't know if you remember this, but I was the only woman. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> comments earlier i was thinking a little bit about that yeah like yeah. oh how does this happen and i you know thankfully the guy that put the cohort together acknowledged that and that made me feel seen yes. but then yes you know i was i was kind of going listen i i really can't be part of this if it's just going to be me it's been a year like I remember that. and then <clears throat> within three months we had uh april chapman become the president of generous giving and uh kendra vandermulen become the president of national christian foundation i mean that's amazing to me and th there's even more now um, and so I would say it, the interesting thing is that as I've interacted with female leaders, this is just a generalization, but the ones that have made it to the leadership table, whether it's a board leadership position or leading the organization, sometimes they're the hardest ones to talk to because they've had to work so hard to kind of disengage the feminine side of them to be with the boys at the table. And I say that with like humility, like if a man's at like I have one man on our board. Um, I had two, but he, one of them had to resign. So um, we we want to have more than one. But I have to think about like his perspective all the time. So it's just when you're not when you're the minority, you have to be thought of. And so um, oftentimes the women have done so many years of being the only woman that when women doing well comes in, they're like, I'm a woman. I don't need you. And actually, I do believe that the research is worth looking at. It's, we're not a women's ministry. We're a women's boot camp. We're a woman's um, accelerator to her generosity. We're not, we don't even have anything to join unless you share our passion for women and generosity. We don't want you to join. There's not, there's no thing. It's just, a, it's just an accelerator. So I believe that women have to be looked at as unique givers because God created male and female in his image. He created them. So there's a difference and I think what Women Doing Well does is, is trying to highlight those differences and make it not so scary for the women and for the men. So that's what I would say is just if you're a woman in leadership, just don't you should second guess what you know, because like me, I grew up in being the only woman. And this was life changing for me as a leader when I really started to take Women Doing Well seriously. And of course, it's so serious to me now I'm doing this full time. But it's worth a second look 
uh, don't write it off as a women's ministry is what I'd say. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, great encouragement, Julie. And maybe we'll kind of land it here. And this is a this is a big question. So even if you need to kind of sit sit on it for a second, that's okay. But we've talked a lot about where things have been in the past and also some of the current statistics uh, related to women doing well. But if you if I were to just ask, yeah, what are some of your hopes for the future? Um, what what are your hopes for the future? What do you, how do you hope that it looks? differently than what we're seeing today related to, yeah, women uh, in leadership, their generosity. Uh, what are some of the hopes for, and I guess that gets into the work you're doing at Women Doing Well. Well, thank you for permission to take a breath on that. This is a big question. Two things came to mind as you were asking the question. The first was um, two men I greatly respect, Dr. Bill Bright, who founded Crew or Campus Crusade, and Dr. Timothy Keller, who just passed away. Both of those men modeled to me what it looks like to love Jesus and to have your ministry flow out of a relationship of complete acceptance. And as a recovering performer, success-driven woman, I I see a, a future where we have men and women, but I focused on women who are so grounded in their identity as a daughter of the living God that there isn't a thing that they lack. You know, they lack for nothing. They have everything they need to do what God's called them to do. They don't compare. They're confident in the things that they're giving to. They're experiencing incredible connection and joy as they partner with ministries and other um, givers to make significant impact in the world, even if the significant impact is in their own family. Like there isn't, there isn't like a big in God's world isn't always big in America's view of big. And so it's really like helping women have their identity grounded in a relationship with Jesus that's vibrant and overflows that unbelievable, confident generosity that's life transforming for them and for the world. And I see the world being healed by engaging women in the generosity conversation and allowing them to flourish with their families if they have one. Hey, that is so good. Julie, thank you so much. That's a, that is a great point to end on. And I echo that. And I think that is a word for us all, uh, just finding our identity in Christ and connecting with, um, as you said earlier, I did, I did write down purpose, passion, and having a plan moving forward. So thank you so much. Great insights today. Always good talking to you. I always learned so much from you, Julie. Oh, thank you. I learned so much. I so appreciate the work of ECFA. It's amazing. Your leadership, Michael, and how you're taking the organization into the future, which is a very different time than it has ever been. So you're doing a beautiful job as well. Thank you for having me and for all that you're doing. Hey, thanks so much. We appreciate your partnership. Take care. We can't thank you enough for listening to the Behind the Seal podcast from ACFA. To find out more about Julie and women doing well, check out the link in the show notes below. I'm reminded of Psalms 50 verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. This imagery encompassing that this world is the Lord's. He created it. But stewardship, generosity, that is a partnership that God is inviting us to. Hey, we encourage you to embrace that. It's his, and he wants us to steward it with him. Well, make sure to share this podcast with someone you think would benefit from it. Appreciate you listening again, and catch you next time.